This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime and Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Visa, Indeed, and Bet Online. My name's Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. As always, joined by Sean Siegel, one of the co-owners at Rotoviz. Uh, I'm delighted to be my co-host here on the podcast, and we're getting ready for NFL Week Three after what was an exciting, but uh, you know, an injury ravaged Week Two. Hopefully, less injuries this week, but hopefully, similar levels of fantasy goodness and points coming our way on today's show. As we're starting for uh, the second uh, show each week here, we're going to have a different guest who sends us in a clip and we play the clip and we react to that clip and today's guest uh, is going to be matthew freeman uh, editor-in-chief over at fantasy labs a major part here obviously of rotoviz radio is the the host or the co-host with dave cabin of the flagship rotoviz radio podcast and you can find him on twitter at matt f the article and he's going to give us that clip in just a moment or so where we're going to be debating two wide receivers uh you know and how we think they're going to go the rest of the season here but sean as we get ready for week three uh ready for for more action definitely this this is the week where we are going to start to see some teams separate i think we're in a, a sad situation with our rotoviz overtime don't say it don't say team. it <laughs> ah yes we we're owing to Things are still looking all right with the squad itself. It's it's so frustrating to have this be the one when we can't you know talk about on the show how well things are going. The other three main events that I'm in, we have Curtis and I are in first place in one. We are in second place, three points out in another. Blair and I are out of first place by 0.45. So 6-0 and and cruising in the other three main events, and yet this one our show main event we're not in that same position so that's the disappointing part hopefully we can turn things around oh and two is nothing we just got to start scoring some points and so i'm I'm very excited about this week three Uh, probably not as excited about uh will fuller and and the different things with him it uh I, i was mentioning in my article that this seems like a you know a fool me once you know shame on me fool me twice but it's not a fool me twice it's a fool me every single season so you know i was fool me five our, times right our, our former president and his uh you know you can't fool me again but no that's that's not the case with will fuller he can he can fool you every season or at least he can fool, fool me every season thankfully there are other players and those other players are doing fairly well and so it tends to balance out will fuller the houston texans not looking good in week two David Johnson looking again like his 2019 self. It doesn't look like the early round picks of David Johnson, uh, Todd Gurley, that those picks are going to work out. For Gurley, especially in an offense that is explosive as the Falcons have been, I think 
owners have to be very disappointed in what he's done. Not only is the running game not a big part of what they're doing, but they're using Edo Smith and Brian Hill fairly liberally. Again, not what Todd Gurley owners are looking forward to. Thankfully, Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones. Julio, so before we get, column into our question from Matt, and it is, it's a doozy. It's going to be one, I think, that's fun to debate. So the situation with Julio Jones the best wide receiver of the last decade, very allergic to touchdowns. We saw this in week two. It's It turns out it's not just Matt Ryan. Russell Gage hits him perfectly on the fly pattern. Walk-in touchdown. He does not catch the ball in. Maybe uh, tweaks a little bit in the leg there. Thoughts on on Julio and this Atlanta Falcons team? The uh, see, I watched that clip and I could not figure out why why he didn't catch the ball. It looked like you know he just like it just oh, I forgot. And you know if if it was a soccer game, I would have assumed that the ref had blown the whistle and the game had stopped and like he just didn't decide to catch it. I was kind of just it took a few times watching it over and over to be like that is that's Julio Jones. And it's just it was if it was a different player, if it was a you know if it was Zay Jones, maybe I would have understood it. But when it was Julio, I was uh, very surprised. But the offense as a whole has looked very good. Russell Gage has looked good. You know Hayden Hurst has looked pretty good. Um, and Calvin Ridley's looked just unbelievable. But I, I have been surprised at uh, how Julio has played. You know, we do see it sometimes. Sometimes players hit that wall. I, I don't think that's what's happened with Julio yet. But you know, if we get another two weeks in and it's similar to this, it might just be that maybe Julio has kind of dropped over that uh, tier. You know, when players are getting you know in around thirty, sometimes we see them see them fall off. I hope that isn't the situation. You know, as you mentioned, one of the best wide receivers of the last decade, and just so good, so good to watch. So I'm hoping that that it's just a, a two week glitch here. But that was when we talk about julio not been able to get into the end zone that was a gift of a touchdown uh just running free i just i can't get over still how he didn't catch it visa knows that local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities whether on our corner stores our coffee spots our favorite shops local businesses have always been there for us they remember our orders they call us by name always giving back making a difference and going that extra mile to support our community and right now more than ever local businesses need our support so now is the time for us to return the favor the next time you go shopping make the choice to shop at a local business tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters visa everywhere you want to be official partner of the nfl indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because indeed gets you the best people fast Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause any time, and there are no long-term contracts. With 75% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you that important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. And right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free 75 dollar credit to boost your job post which means more quality candidates will see it fast try indeed out with our free 75 dollar credit at indeed.com slash blue wire that's the best offer available anywhere go right now to indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply offer valid through september 30th I'm Dave Cabin, host of the RotoViz Fantasy Football Podcast. I wanted to take a moment to thank you for supporting RotoViz Radio. 
We love producing these shows and we hope that you love listening to them. As a thank you, loyal podcast listeners can get 10% off of a one-year Rotoviz subscription by using the promo code 2020RVRADIO at checkout. We have some of the very best tools, articles, and analysts in the business and can't wait to lead you on the path to greatness. If you haven't done so yet, do us a favor and take a minute to rate and review this podcast. Thanks again for listening. Now let's get into the show. So we teased it earlier in the show. We're going to get straight to it now. It's going to be Matthew Freeman, as I mentioned. Follow him on Twitter at Matt F. The Oracle. Check out his work at, at Fantasy Labs, and uh, we're going to talk. He's going to talk here a little bit about two wide receivers from the Pittsburgh Steelers, and uh, I guess as, as simple as it is, take it away, Matt. Hey guys, we are heading into week three, and I want to get your thoughts on a few things. Uh, maybe I'll make some you know ridiculous predictions while I'm talking. I, I don't know, but uh, one, I want to get your thoughts on. Deontay Johnson versus Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, this one in particular breaks my heart just a little bit, uh, more than a little bit, because I am very much on Juju, and uh, as much respect as I have for Deontay uh, and you know what he did in college, uh, what he did as a rookie, and then now what he's done through the first two weeks of his uh, second season here, um, I still feel part of me maybe he wants to feel that Juju is really the the number one wide receiver, uh, even though we don't have any any evidence of that. Uh, I still think that Juju might might be the number one wide receiver for the Steelers. Um, Deontay Johnson, if you think he's going to have 11 and a half targets per game, uh, then fine. Uh, I think that number is probably going to come down. It, it has to come down unless we are just fine with asserting that Deontay Johnson uh, warrants Antonio Brown level usage. And maybe he does, but I don't think we should actually make that statement yet. Uh, and Juju, he's had an average of seven targets per game to open the year. Um, I think it's fair to expect that number to bump up a little bit especially considering that he had 166 in 2018, his last you know fully healthy season uh, with a fully healthy Ben Roethlisberger uh, in that year, had over 1,400 yards receiving. Uh, and I, I think it's worth noting that he had 8.6 yards per target uh, in 2018. Uh, if you combine 2018 and 2019, he had 8.4 yards per target. And that's exactly what he has through two weeks this year, 8.4 yards per target. So on a per target basis, he's basically been this year, the same guy that he was in the previous seasons, right? When he was thought of as one of the best wide receivers in the league. The main issue is just that he hasn't been targeted. And so if we see his targets creep up a little bit instead of seven targets per game, right? If we see that number closer to eight, eight and a half, if we see Deontay Johnson's target total creep down. And and by the way, I I think it's worth noting, it's not as if Johnson had an inefficient rookie year last year, but you know, 7.4 yards per target. That's, that's good for a rookie. It's not as if he was tearing it up. Um, Six and a half yards per target in his first two games, not a particularly strong number. Uh, especially considering that he is a perimeter receiver. That's a number that you would expect to find more with a a slot receiver. And so, you know, I I recently tweeted 
that I do think, let me just say exactly what it was that I, I tweeted. I said, so I woke up today, had two big cups of decaf coffee, which by the way, that, that wasn't true. None of, none of this was actually true, but had, had two big cups of decaf coffee, went for a walk, took a long shower, and then finally, while trimming my beard, looked myself in the mirror and said, and by the way, uh, a normal person uh, would trim his beard before getting in the shower. But by the way, looked myself in the mirror and said, Deontay Johnson is the wide receiver one in Pittsburgh and Juju Smith-Schuster isn't. Uh, I just, I, you know, part of me believes that if I'm just looking at the looking at the target totals, looking at the way they've been used so far, especially when you take air yardage into account, which it's smart to do. To this point in the season, Deontay Johnson has been the wide receiver one. I think the prediction and this is maybe more my heart than my head, the prediction is that that doesn't last. That by the end of the season, Juju is the number one. I, I don't have any conviction in this, in this prediction, I should say. Uh, but it's, it's the way that uh, my, my invested interests are, are pulling me because I, I want to believe that I, I haven't you know, invested in a guy who at this point uh, is watching himself become the number two receiver in an offense that could be prolific. Uh, let me know what you guys think. Uh, all right, thanks. So Sean, Matt, given his thoughts there, um, given some, some insight into his uh, thought process, how he came to the conclusion that Deontay Johnson might be the number one here. I know last year, Matt talked a lot about the Antonio Brown juju, uh, who was the number one and proved to be right on that because Antonio Brown then wasn't even on the, the roster but when we look at it now we have Deontay Johnson who started off the week or started off the season with a huge volume of targets some very good production uh what's your thoughts rest of season on those two guys uh, Juju has looked much better this year than he did last year I think in fairness but how do you see it shaking out is it a 1a 1b is it a, a 1 and a 2 uh, how does it shake out well the first thing is that i hope matt is okay because this this seemed <laughs> surprisingly this was a this was a traumatic read i i think from from matt here where uh, i i'm not 100% he had a lot sure. to get off he's, his chest yeah <laughs> is he is he uh, i mean I, it kind of sounds like he's going into hiding. I, I didn't, I didn't follow exactly, but I mean, does he have his hair dye out? It sounded like one of those, you know, movie montage situations where he's showering, he's maybe shaving his, his head, changing the color, doing something with his beard there all at the same time. It was a little <laughs> bit unclear. I, I don't think that Juju Smith Schuster owners need to move into to West, witness protection at this point uh, <laughs> right now you know juju actually has a barely outscored deontay johnson on the season and i know that the peripherals are much more in johnson's favor and we want to be aware of those and know how big a role those play going forward i also think in some of these situations we're still developing a sense of how defenses are going to play these teams how teams are going to attack you know what their personality is going to be on offense for me, I would be very encouraged by the start that Smith Schuster has had and not almost look at that in a vacuum separate from what Deontay Johnson is doing and think, okay, Juju is back. He's healthy. Ben Roethlisberger is back. He's healthy. And this offense is going to be aggressive. It's not something where they're going to go into a shell and try and ride Connor or Snell or any of the backs. They're going to put up a lot of points and those points are going to go to the receivers. Now, how that manifests as we go forward is an interesting question, right? Because the first couple of weeks have been fantastic for Johnson. 
And even after the first half in week one, where he made a number of, of fairly blatant mistakes, they have gone right back to him. And one of the things that you saw last year, even with the very poor quarterback play, and you're seeing in these first couple of weeks now, is that he is very difficult to cover, right? His short area quickness, his intermediate route running is similar to what we saw from Antonio Brown. And that's obviously high praise. Whether he can be that type of player over a full season is a very, very different question because what Brown did, I mean, those are things that almost no one is going to be able to do. But he may be able to perform a lot of that role in this offense. And when you have a quarterback like Ben Roethlisberger, then you start to look at, well, the the sky is really the limit here. So I think that both players could end up winning. One of the things that I was looking at when you know, initially listening to Matt and, you know, what he was seeing with this, what his concerns were, and just thinking about that 2018 team, right? And on that team, Antonio Brown put up 323 points, Juju Smith-Schuster 299. Now, if Smith-Schuster goes to the number two role and puts up 300 points, then I don't think you're going to have to be concerned about that. Now you may wish that you had drafted Deontay Johnson just because the draft value there was extraordinary. If he's going to put up even more, but I don't think that we need to worry about where Juju is. Now I think the fly in the ointment potentially for, for both of these guys, if we're going to look at this purely from a market share perspective, whether that's targets, whether it's air yards and say, okay, the pie is only so big and we know that market share in many cases is more predictive of future points than pure volume because teams have different game contexts every week. You know, you're not always trailing by two touchdowns in the second half. You're not always in the situation with the Steelers have been in. We talked on Tuesday about the fact that the bills have actually thrown with the lead, which has helped really ramp up the numbers for Josh Allen, for Stefan Diggs. The Steelers have also done that and we can't necessarily expect that to continue so if we're just worried about how the pie is going to split up you have to also look at chase claypool right someone who had the long touchdown in week two in terms of just pure athleticism you know his size athleticism package is better than both guys he's closer to say the size of juju with the athleticism of deontay johnson and you know again different types of profiles but someone who was fantastic in camp was a freak score star. I mean, we're looking at Claypool as potentially being the next DK Metcalf. And then you think of where DK Metcalf is right now with Russell Wilson, right? So from a Smith-Schuster perspective, I don't think that I would be worried about Deontay Johnson. But if this becomes a three-player split and, and he's number two or even number three in that. Now, again, I mean, someone who's done what Juju Smith-Schuster has done at the ages that he's done them in the NFL, it's it's unprecedented. And it's also a situation where those players are stars, right? They go on and perform very well when they're healthy. You just, you have very little to worry about, uh, especially when their quarterback is healthy too. So with Juju, I don't think it's a matter whether you're a redraft owner or a dynasty owner that you're not going to get value for him. I think it's merely a matter of, you know, were there better values on his own team? yeah and I, I think as well when we look at the the Steelers obviously Big Ben looks 
pretty much back to what he was before the injury um you know going to make those interceptions that shouldn't be made and he's going to make those big plays uh that that he can make and you know if we look at how the offense has been so far obviously the the targets have gone the way of uh Deontay Johnson uh through those two games 10 targets and 13 so he's sitting at 23 uh Juju has had six and eight so it's not like Juju's getting no work and he's been very productive with his work you know 100% catch rate in week one and uh and and week two there was just one that he didn't catch so we're going to see that continue I think uh the the targets that Juju's going to get is going to be probably a more consistent uh opportunity to, to make those catches but if we look at the catch rate obviously for uh Johnson you know in week one kind of just around 60 percent, and then last week uh, pretty similar so I think that that will have a, a variation week on week. You mentioned Chase Claypool. Uh, he, he's he's going to be interesting. And I wouldn't forget either about James Washington, but I, I probably would say at this point through two two weeks of the season, I, I, I probably would still say the Cowboys um, – lead the way i probably would say the seahawks lead the way in terms of you know two wide receivers and i would still even though we talked about uh julio a little bit earlier in the show i probably would say the falcons lead the way but the the kind of the the one two or the even the trio punch that's going to be in this uh offense i think rest of the season's probably in that top five in the nfl would you would you go as far as that sean I would. And I have no problem seeing a situation in which they are the best wide receiving core in the NFL uh, by midseason, certainly by the end of the season. One of the other things I did want to mention when we're looking at how the volume is going to split up and how that affects the individual players in that 20. 20- 18 season they didn't get huge performances from a third or fourth wide receiver but their tight ends accounted for over 200 fantasy points right so they were using that position quite a bit it was another element to the passing offense that had to be taken into consideration when you're breaking up the total volume this season there was a lot of buzz for Eric Ebron I really liked him in that role I thought that he was a a sneaky tight end pick once you got into the double digit rounds because i mean he's just a pure pass catcher would be a good fit with ben roethlisberger it might be a situation where he bounces back and still does come into play and that's yet another potential problem in terms of the overall volume for those receivers but so far it hasn't been the tight ends have only put up 12 points and are just really not involved at all and i can understand why that would be the case when you have a juju smith schuster deontay johnson claypool as you mentioned james washington uh, not a big factor in week two but had that a really impressive touchdown catch in week one where he fought for the end zone so there's going to be a split here i just think that this offense is going to be able to feed both people and as you mentioned we're in a situation this season i think is kind of fun because there are a variety of offenses like that and so when we're looking at you know is this a problem for for juju you know is it a problem for tyler lockett who already has 37 points that dk metcalf has 38 you know is it a problem for our guy uh dj Moore, and, and fortunately for us you know on some of these rosters where we have more we also have robbie anderson more 29 points the first two weeks sort of a down week one looked a little bit better in week two but robbie anderson there at 45 right the bills have two wide receivers in the top 10 the falcons have those three wide receivers with russell gage actually being in the top 10 so some of these things are going to work themselves out in some of these offenses there's not going to be that large of a pie for the full 16 games it will be important to see who ends up being the alpha receiver you know who's going to get that target 
market share at this point, I would still be very excited about all those Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, I think so as well. And I'm just going to put you on the spot. Uh, we'll both answer this question. I'll let you go first. Uh, drafting now, if you're redraft, uh, Juju or Johnson, the rest off the way. I think you still go Juju, but I think both of those guys could be, you know, third round picks. Deontay Johnson, someone who, you know, he was featured in our breakout wide receiver. Uh, he and, and Darius Slayton were the two guys I talked about wanting to get more of. And that's that's still very much the case now. I wish I had more of them, even with Slayton having the down week two. Uh, but I wouldn't have a problem going either way. I mean, Deontay Johnson looks that good and what he did as a rookie naturally feeds into a, a big second season this is where we get those breakouts you know just like we're getting with dk metcalf yeah no i would agree but i, I would be going juju as well i think probably if i was drafting out of juju in the third round probably uh early fourth round i think would be a situation for johnson but uh both guys in for big years and exciting to see how this offense is uh, playing out so far. Sean, obviously you you hinted at it on the, the show on Tuesday, but we're going to look a little bit about redrafting the 2020 rookie draft. So I suppose similar to what I, I jumped into there with picking those guys at, at, at this point of the season, if we were re-picking where these guys would be going, and this isn't super flex uh, formats, um, how we would shake things up. We talked last week about Jonathan Taylor and if we were drafting now, where would we be taking him uh, in terms of uh redraft end season um and we we said we'd be taking him number one but any other players uh who surprised you maybe um that maybe you weren't expecting to have jump as high the one player that i was gobbling up on pretty much any draft i could um if i had one of those kind of top six picks if he was starting to, to fall off a little bit was cd lamb i just thought that um you know, I, I thought he was going to just hit the ground running and so far has been fantastic uh, looks like i know gallup has looked good but lamb is you know looking like he's really going to have an impact in that offense and i mentioned the the three wide receiver sets there a moment ago with you know the cowboys just look so good um from that perspective but and any of the players that have stood out i'm, I'm glad to see laviska taking taking quite a jump yeah and so these are the what, what i gave was my redraft value now and then contrasted that with the offseason adp which you know not my rankings and so in some ways that can be a little bit misleading because if i'm higher on someone to start with they would have always been higher for me laviska someone that we <laughs> you know sort of humorously have been targeting in every single draft whether it's dynasty or redraft i think he's looked pretty extraordinary there was one play in there where you know james robinson has been so good he's he's demonstrated the size the the lateral cuts the ability to get back up to speed for this big guy and so you know we're used to him now generating these big plays in this jaguars offense and there was one carry in particular where you know he burst through the line exploded on the second level uh, just hammered the defensive back put him on the ground drove through for several more yards and i was like i I knew that he was good, but I didn't realize that he looked like that. And then I'm looking at it a little bit closer and realize that it's, it's not him. I mean, it's LaVisca Chenault. I mean, that's how big and, and fast, how athletic this guy is. And I don't know if using him as the running back is something that we necessarily want for fantasy. We don't want to get you know caught up in this situation where he's basically a glorified Cordero Patterson. But yeah, I mean... He, he looks awfully awfully good and you know when they threw to him a couple times and that ball just kind of disappeared in his hands and in his body when he's he's going up for it it didn't look like something where that ball was going to be dislodged by a defender i mean he's he's such a gigantic person a little bit like an aj 
Brown, certainly a Cortland Sutton, um, and even a, a much faster version of a guy that I know that you know we've had some interest in and had a big Sunday night there in Nikhil Harry. So Chenault moving up, that's probably at least in part just bias in terms of we own a lot. We're excited to see that he's made it through two weeks successfully. I wanted to give a little bit of a shout out here to our chasing OT co-owner, uh, Peter Overzet, who congratulations to Pete on winning uh, a big DFS tournament this weekend. That's an exciting way to balance out uh, the disappointment and the sudden injuries for his ownership there. He was on our, well, he was on the show just a couple weeks ago with some bold predictions, but he was also on our 100th episode where we did the bold predictions from some of our favorite guys in the fantasy community. And his bold prediction slash uh, real question and concern with how people are drafting their teams is why are people loading up with these running backs, right? And we know a year from now that the wide receivers are going to be more valuable. They're going to have longer careers. And one of the things that I think has been interesting is that, you know, the reason that you draft the running backs is that they have that better rookie value. They have that immediate value. We are seeing that with Taylor. We're seeing that to an extent with Edwards Alaire. Certainly Dobbins has flashed, you know, DeAndre Swift, I think very clearly is going to be the guy in Detroit in just a couple of weeks once they're done messing around with both Carrion Johnson and Adrian Peterson. At the same time, even with that happening, for the most part, it looks like these wide receivers are going to make an impact sooner. I mentioned in the show on Tuesday that I tried to trade Barkley for a college player and C.D. Lamb to Davis, you know, who we had on the show last week. And he said, no, Lamb is the next DeAndre Hopkins. Can't trade him. Lamb should have been the number two pick in drafts that don't feature super flex you know definitely shouldn't be going outside the top three or four his offseason adp of eight i think a little bit a, a little bit hard to figure now again you know we have the benefit of, of having him seen him play for two weeks and he looks exactly like he did in college he looks like he's actually going to be the guy there my bold prediction from a couple weeks ago was that he was going to be the number one wide receiver for the cowboys as a rookie Amari Cooper putting up some good numbers. It's going to be tough to beat Cooper. Uh, you know, all it would take is a couple of big plays and big games from Gallup to put him back ahead there too. But yeah, I think it's very possible that Lamb ends up being a top 24 receiver and the best receiver on the Cowboys this year. He's up there high for me. Colin, the question I would ask you, the person I think who very quickly becomes a little bit controversial is Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He had the big plays and made some really nice moves in week one, but had trouble at the goal line, didn't catch a lot of passes. The Chiefs looked, frankly, looked terrible in week two and were bailed out by some heroics from Harrison Bucker repeatedly knocking down those 58-yard field goals. (laughs) Uh, Where are we with Edwards Alaire in this Chiefs offense you know, subbed out for Darwin Thompson quite a bit in week two, including on a key fourth and short. Is is he still a top five pick? I I put him at four here, and I think this could turn back around. He could end up having a number of these big games, you know, like we've seen from Alvin Kamara, like we've seen from Aaron Jones. But I don't think that it's clear that he's ahead of players like Chenault, Dobbins, Ruggs, Rager, Judy, Swift. I mean, there are a lot of guys in here that I think we could – uh, individually slide ahead of him i think you know at this moment in time i would be holding off on that i think that that you like we talked about it the chiefs just were 
bad all around um and you know obviously he's a rookie he's unlikely to be the guy that's just going to make everything work for them so i think uh what we'll see is him have those big weeks you know if he has a three touchdown performance in week three i won't be one bit surprised when week one was was very good week two well obviously apart from getting stuffed at the goal line over and over again but week two just was a down week entirely for the chiefs i think what you're betting on with alaire is that he's going to be in a high-powered offense he's going to get touches you know high value touches inside the 20 and you know that's going to lead to touchdowns so i think with him uh, i think he's still fine i think where you have him at four is probably fair um i think it would be you mentioned bias i think it would be too much to be pushing chenault ahead of him uh, but in terms of like the other guys that are in that like you know jk dobbins is you know down to seven from number four i, I think that like i could I, I don't think from what we've seen through two weeks we could put him up there based on how much splits in that backfield and I, I don't think any of the other guys would be pushing just up there yet um you know there's a couple of players that sean i thought was interesting but when you look at the way they're ranked out i think it's pretty fair like james robinson has come from nowhere to number 17 i think that's pretty fair i might push him ahead of ahead of you know one or two guys there in terms of michael pittman's just above but i don't i don't think i can make the argument to push him anywhere near that top 10 the other player uh that i thought was interesting that's in there is josh kelly and zach moss at 22 and 23 so moss has taken a a little bit uh of a dip there but i think that he's looked pretty good and i think the high value touches are gonna be there so i think that he's somebody who could potentially be a little bit higher i think josh kelly though has uh has has really impressed me through those opening weeks um but i, I think overall the, the list is there's, there's not many i would disagree with in that top 10 um and then they're probably the two that i would i would look to to bounce up a little bit in the list and um, with what i've seen through those those couple of weeks um had you any thoughts on on those guys being a little bit higher or do you think that that's that's the right place to have them settled on well i think that it's interesting in terms of the positional value so you talk about kelly and moss being a little bit higher the receivers that i have just above them i have Ayuk at 18 that's a little bit of a fall for me and i think that he's going to jump right back up but with the injuries they're dealing with in in san francisco including his own it's a little bit tougher to evaluate where he is justin jefferson at 19 that's a fall for him but i still am high on him long term t higgins at 20 is about where i would have had him he did make some plays in that game on thursday night and at the very least looks better than aj green and john ross and then kj hamler somebody i'm just much higher than the community on and i think now that sutton is out i think that that offense with judy hamler and noah fant that there is volume for the three of those guys and that Hamler is an important part of what they're going to need to do. And so when we look at those four guys, are there players within that group who you feel should clearly be lower than Kelly and Moss? That, that's where i was having the, the difficult part like you know making them be be definitely below them like somebody i liked um before the draft and where he landed in the draft was michael pittman but obviously we have the injury to paris campbell at the moment but i possibly would drop him down closer to that range and uh james robinson has obviously had a, a great start to the season but i think that like if i was looking between him and kelly in terms of you know trading for or giving rookie picks to get i think i still would probably 
be going the route of of josh kelly so there's a couple there but it's only you know we're picking hairs there's four picks and when you get to you know you mentioned like positional adp and like when it comes to drafting again or it comes to trading again i know it's going to i'm going to lean towards those wide receivers so i'm probably uh probably talking myself out of it here already but um i i've just been i've just been super impressed by him and i i know curtis has been a a big fan of josh kelly um curtis patrick and you know everything i've seen so far i think that he, he'll probably continue to climb these rankings as the season progresses and i think as well if there was an injury to eckler which i hope there's not i think you know it's just a it's a mega spot for for kelly moving forward um some players sean who just missed out were aj dillon brian edwards and uh, darrington evans and i know talking to you privately evans is somebody who and you mentioned uh, on the previous show that aj dillon somebody you're targeting as well so those guys could could possibly jump onto this list as the season goes along and two guys who missed out completely were uh Kayshawn vaughn and anthony mcfarland two guys who have dropped uh, you know their ADP is obviously going to be a lot different at the moment. Um, but something I wanted to mention, Sean, as we get, get ready to finish up, I know you mentioned it in the piece this week, was sending in some uh, thoughts. Uh, you can send them to me on Twitter. You can send them on email as well, rotovisradio at gmail.com. But we might try and make the, the second part of the second show of the week a little bit more interactive. So I don't know, Sean, do you want it to be, what do you, what do you want to try and head up for next week? Do you want to be television shows, movies? What do, what do you want to try and make the, the question for the listeners be? Yeah, so in my weekly Monday article, I'm giving television uh, suggestions, book suggestions. Uh, these are the other things that I love to do along with fantasy football. And so I know with the pandemic that folks have largely, uh, in many cases, burned through everything that they had on their list and perhaps there are still a lot of shows out there that you see on all these lists, people are recommending, but you look at them and you're like, that's just not for me, right? And so I'm trying to find some sleeper shows, give some book recommendations in case anybody is interested in those types of things. Just quick things at the end of the article. And one of the things that I was thinking that we could do is if we have readers, if we have listeners who have some recommendations themselves, they could hit you up, let you know those. We could discuss some of those on the air. If if someone has a great recommendation for me, I definitely, you know, want to, to get those, have, you know, most of the streaming services and go pretty deep into those. And one of the things that I think is fun too, looking at some of the international shows who have uh, these great characters, these great stories, the things that I like, and everybody is a little bit different in terms of what their preferences are. I like the television shows that have great stories, right? So uh, shows in which we're looking at the characters and the characters are very selfish and self-involved and it's just about them and their feelings and not a lot happening. It's not that those can't be good. Every once in a while, there's some real genius or something like that. But I like the shows that do that through what's happening. So one of the recommendations I had this last week was Baghdad Central, this fantastic show about an Iraqi a former police detective who is now you know trying to find his daughter it's after the invasion and you know you have this real tension between having worked with saddam and so a lot of hatred from people for that and now you're trying to work with uh, some of the occupying forces to you know solve this mystery and there's hatred for that right because now you're a collaborator and so it's sort of a lose-lose type of situation it gives you a sense of the difficulties that so many people out there in the world 
deal with where there really is no great decision, but they have to continue to fight through. And then the acting, the storytelling, just extraordinary. So if you want a character-based drama, this is it. If you want one of the best detective shows out there, this is it. I like the, the shows and the books that do both. If there are listeners out there who have something that they think that I haven't seen or just want to share with the community, let us know what those are. And uh, we'll we'll mention uh, some of those during the show. Also, if you have some thoughts on that Monday article when it comes out, the best way to interact with me is to message the show, right? And you can say, Sean, having Jalen Rager in there at number nine, that makes no sense. He's injured. The Eagles offense has looked terrible. You need to get a couple guys ahead of him. Uh, just let us know. We'll, we'll talk about some of those things and, and you know, get, get some listener involvement for the Thursday show. I love the Thursday show, having these guys uh, provide the clips for us, things they're interested in, some of our favorite people. The two clips we've had so far have both been awesome. Love talking about Juju and, and Deontay Johnson today. Certainly Davis's question last year, I mean, last week about Josh Jacobs. And, you know, it, it's too early to declare victory on that one. But since we were at least right for a week, you know, we can mention that we were right for a week on Josh Jacobs, that playing a better defense, he wasn't able to put up another 40 points. <laughs> we'll see how that continues. I did think that Jacobs again looked so big and fast last night. I mean, when you're thinking of, you know, who looks like a Saquon Barkley, he's not to that level, but man, did he look good. So I'm sitting there thinking to myself, well, fortunately I'm not going to get crushed by the Jacobs teams this week, but I would love to have that guy on my team. If you're a J uh, if you're a Barkley owner and you're looking for some other opportunities, we talked on the show about Tuesday that Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin cook, some of those guys, if their owners are in a situation where it would make sense you know, maybe you can go out and get them. Maybe Josh Jacobs is the guy that you want to go out and get. And so he's somebody else. I mean, you would need more than that, even though he's healthy, right? And even though he can play for you this year, if I'm a Barkley owner, I want more than Jacobs, but he's someone who's looked good enough that I think suddenly he's maybe in the conversation. So uh, another potential Barkley trade opportunity there. Yeah, and I guess the, the takeaway from that is if, you, if you're not uh, happy with anything in Sean's article on the Monday, uh, send, send them all to me. So you can do that on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, or you can do it uh, to rotavizradio at gmail.com, and we'll, we'll, we'll get all those. But I think making a little bit more interactive uh, on the show should be a lot of fun, and I think we're going to try and make this second show of the week as, as fun as possible. Uh, we're obviously running a little bit longer than normal, Sean, but uh, this might be where, <laughs> where we fall out in terms of show selection, but uh, a show that is based pretty much on uh somebody who is all about themselves uh is afterlife by ricky gervais but i think i, I do the last kind of three or four years in terms of a series that i've watched i think it was one of the ones that i got kind of engrossed in most and it, it really kind of i i just thought it was phenomenal i don't know have you seen afterlife i have and it's interesting that you mentioned that i uh i haven't necessarily enjoyed his other work and so i wasn't expecting to enjoy it and then he comes out and in those first couple episodes especially uh he he's really a jerk and so even though he's had some things happen to him that that are tough you know you're thinking i i don't know i mean you still have to treat your fellow human beings a little better than that the show 
morphs into something that is just amazing. And so there, there were a lot of these, you know, these 30 minute episodes that I finished with, you know, sort of tears in my eyes and yet at the same time uplifted from kind of, you know, what they had discussed and, and the way it was presented. It It's a masterful show. And so certainly if people haven't seen Afterlife, that's a great recommendation. Yeah, and you mentioned the the tears in your eyes. I'm not somebody who gets very uh, emotional. I don't cry very often. That's probably one of my downsides. But in terms of uh, the the second season, not going to spoil it for anyone. But man, it it got me big time. But uh, really, really good show. And Ricky Gervais isn't for everybody, but uh, Afterlife is is phenomenal. The music in it as well is really good. So uh, highly recommend that to the listeners. And send your recommendations uh, our way for what we can we can throw into next week's show so that's going to do us two shows uh, this week thanks again to matt friedman for sending the clip in we're going to do that for the the rest of the season uh, it's, it's been it's been fun so far so until we're back with next week's show i hope you all enjoy week three best of luck in that drop us a written review in your favorite podcast app and as always you can get that 10 percent listener discount by adding the code 2020 RV radio at checkout or by going to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast. But until we're back with the show next week, of course, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with this country, the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. The wait is finally over and football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still bet on all the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can still get in on their season opening bonuses today and start wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Once again, Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts.